Good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you today to worship our Lord and to have fellowship one with another. We've got a full day of activities planned. Uh, we have a lunch, of course, together today in the Super Party this afternoon. Lots of opportunity to have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm very, uh, very pleased uh, to be here this morning and have that opportunity. We're going to be continuing our series about learning the life of David, becoming, becoming a person after God's own heart, and our topic today is losing our way. We've been studying the life of David in order to learn how to become a person after God's own heart. We've seen him be anointed king, face his giant, become loved by the people, but hated and hunted by Saul. Today, we see that how even people after God's own heart hit difficult streaks in their lives and lose their way. As we pick up David's story in 1 Samuel chapter 27, and we'll read verses 20, or chapters 27 through 30 this morning, or go over those chapters this morning. But as we pick up in chapter 27, Saul is still hunting David and trying to kill him. David has just spared Saul's life again, and he still wants him dead. David and his army of 600 men have been on a run for years, and it's finally starting to catch up to them. When we think of David, we remember the victories like Goliath or over thousands of Philistines, but we also remember the sins. We may not realize the amount of despair that David felt in his life. Running from the crazed king, hiding in the hills, leading and feeding an army, but David finally collapses under the weight of his trial. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, Then David said in his heart, I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So we see here, rather than talking to God, seeking his counsel, David looks at his own heart and asks what he should do. He simply consults himself and decides that the only way that he's going to escape from Saul is by leaving Israel completely and moving into the land of the Philistines. David figures his future is certain. He says, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. He's already concluded that it's hopeless, and he's abandoned the promise that's been given to him by God that he would be king of Israel. He forgot that Samuel anointed him to be the king. He forgot that his best friend Jonathan, the son of Saul, declared that he would be king. He forgot that even Saul himself declared and knew that David was going to be king. But all of these promises and all of these assurances were erased. Uh, were erased from David's mind as he was worn out from Saul's pursuit. All that David can focus on are his own thoughts and his feeling of despair. In verses 2 through 4 of chapter 27. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 men who were with him, to Ashish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. And David lived with Ashish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household. 
and David with his two wives, Anom of Jezreel, and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. So David packs up, gathers all of his family, all of his armies, all of his supplies, and he goes and asks help from his enemy, from the Philistines. Luckily for him, this plan does work, and Saul gives up his pursuit and will not follow him into enemy territory. So finally, David has a little bit of peace. He must have enjoyed a little bit of a relief for a little while there with the Philistines. He could, you know, lay down, close both of his eyes, not be looking over his shoulder for Saul, at least. And he thinks that he has found deliverance from Saul at his own hands in the land of the Philistines. But this physical peace cannot last. He is lost in his despair and has abandoned his mission. He's not in God's land. He's not going to be king. Saul's going to kill him, and God's promises are not coming true. Instead of believing in the Lord, he's given up hope. That's his mindset. All is lost. There is no hope. This is what happens when we allow our feelings of despair to overwhelm us. We let go of hope and trust in ourselves. We no longer believe in the promises of God and turn to our own wisdom to get us through. Satan wants us to cave into our fears. Satan wants us to listen to ourselves and not put our trust in God. In our despair, we run to enemy territory. We plunge ourselves into things that we think will fix our feelings. We may decide that we need drugs or alcohol. We think sexual immorality will fill the need. Like David, we may decide to move, thinking that a change of scenery will make everything better. But physical changes alone will never fix spiritual or emotional problems. If you think that just moving is going to make you happy, you're wrong. Because your problems are going to follow you wherever you go. If you think that drinking is going to solve your issue, you're wrong. The bottom of the bottle is always dry, and it never has any good advice. David stopped running from Saul, but he started running from God. We have to stop our running and put our faith in God and ask Him to guide us instead of our deceitful hearts. Continuing our reading in verses 5 through 8. Then David said to Ashish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in the country towns that I might dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day, Ashish gave him Ziklag. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For these were the inhabitants of the land from old, as far as Shur to the land of Egypt. So we see here David is given this city of Ziklag to call his home um, and to have a base of operations to go out on these raiding missions. The, uh, the king of the Philistines here, he thinks David is going and raiding and attacking villages in, in Judah, and that's what David reports to him. But he's actually going and attacking these Gershites and Amalekites. To keep the king from finding out about who they're actually attacking, David and his soldiers utterly destroyed the people when they would attack, so that no report could be given to the Philistines about who they were truly attacking. 
For over a year, David would report to Ashish that he is attacking these southern Judah while massacring these other tribes. This deceit works, and Ashish believes that the Israelites hate David because of these successful attacks. In chapters 28 and 29, we get uh, a glimpse of how entrenched David is in, uh, in, the, Philistine, in the Philistine army. In uh, chapter 28 of 1 Samuel, it says, In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Ashish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Ashish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Ashish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. And then again in chapter 29, verses 1 through 2, as they're still gearing up for these battles. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Ephek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Ashish. So the Philistines here are about to engage in this great battle against the Israelites. And as the Philistines are lining up, David and his soldiers are right there in the middle of them, lined up with Ashish for the battle. This reveals how far David had defected from Israel, seemingly ready to fight and kill his own people uh, for his new king in this battle. But the other Philistines, besides King Ashish, did not want David or his men fighting for fear that David would betray them in the middle of the battle. In chapter 29, verses 6 through 9, it says, Then Ashish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and in with me in, in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Ashish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from, from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of the Lord the king? And Ashish answered David and said, I know that you are blameless in the sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go with us to the battle. It seems like David's pretty upset here that he's getting left out of this battle. He seems really, really willing to attack the people of Israel, and that it's not a trick. In verse 8 we see, But what have I done? What, have, what fault have you found in me that, that you wouldn't trust me? Now, we know that he was telling him that they were attacking Judah, and he's actually attacking these other places, so he's straight up gaslighting issues right now. But... He was still disappointed in, in not being able to be a part of the battle, and he obeys his new king and returns to Ziklag. And that's where things get even worse for David. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 4, it says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. 
I can only imagine what kind of scene they would be, you know, coming up on as they're marching back from this battle. They're disappointed that they didn't get to fight, maybe, and they just want to see their, their wife and their, their children again. Maybe on the horizon, they see a, a pillar of smoke, start to get uneasy feeling in their stomach. And as they get closer, they don't hear anything. It's too quiet. The camp is empty, and their families are gone. Everything has been taken from them. I can't imagine that kind of grief and despair, coming back and finding everything that you care about is just completely gone. And how hopeless one must feel in that situation. It says that they wept till they couldn't weep anymore, till they had no more strength to weep. This is the lowest of lows for David, at this point at least, in his life. Everything has been taken from him. And now, the loyal soldiers who have fought beside him for years, ran with him, protected him, he's cost them everything. They start to, to doubt and start to talk about stoning the guy that brought them into the situation. But this is the moment David hit rock bottom. He came to his senses. And after nearly a year of living in the land of the Philistines, he finally decides to talk to God about what's going on. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 and verse 8. And David was greatly distressed, for, this people, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake him? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and shall surely rescue. David finally figured out where he needed to put his strength, to put his strength in the Lord and seek the Lord's counsel. Instead of listening to his own heart, deciding everything is hopeless, letting his men stone him and just let it be over with, he looked to God and said, what can we do? And God assured him of the victory. In verses 17 through 19, it said, And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who had mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalites, Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. So David has finally come back to the Lord. Victory comes now that David is seeking the Lord's counsel and not only listening to himself. If we only rely on our own heart and we're only looking to our own understanding, we're too weak. We're too weak to fight back against Satan, and we won't have victory. Only when we look to God and ask Him to help us will He bring us that victory. The applications that I want us to take from this story today is that even a person after God's own heart will hit life's lows. It doesn't matter what happens to us. What matters are the choices that we make 
on how to respond and who we run to. Will we rely on ourselves or rely on God? Will we make physical changes to deal with the issue? Will we stop praying? Will we succumb to our fears? Running from God is not going to fix your problem, and giving up on God definitely is not going to fix your problem. Only running to God and asking for his help can we have peace. Next, we need to be quick to pray. This is a very important lesson from David's life that we saw throughout the scriptures. Most of the Psalms that were written by David are prayers to the Lord. And then the books of First and Second Samuel repeatedly show David inquiring of the Lord before making a decision. But for some reason, this ordeal was so great that David was not quick to turn to God for guidance. He searched his heart instead of looking to God. The longer we wait to turn to God, the longer we rely on ourselves, the easier it becomes to stray away from God. Prayer helps us focus on the problem and depend on God for the solution. And last, you are never too lost to return to God. David lived and served the enemies of his people for over a year while raiding and massacring villages. He was willing to fight alongside the Philistines against his own people. But David came back to the Lord. His decisions were never bad enough that he could not find the strength in the Lord. It doesn't matter how bad things have been in your life. It doesn't matter how bad how bad of decisions you've made. It doesn't matter how much wickedness you have committed. If you will change your heart and seek the will of the Lord, you can come back. You can receive the promises of God by coming to Him in obedience. If you are ready and need to take that step of obedience by being baptized for the remission of your sins, or if you are in the pits of despair like David and need the encouragement of the church, please come forward and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation.